Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, January 3rd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020. Well, gold ended 2019 with a bang, and it is starting the new decade with a nice little bull run. In fact, gold is near six-year highs. A U.S. airstrike that killed an Iranian general in Iraq has ratcheted up tensions in the Middle East, and that has sparked a rush into safe haven assets. As I record this podcast, gold is just above 1447 an ounce. It was actually at 1550 when I got up this morning. Gold briefly touched these levels back in September, and that's near a six-year high. But gold was already pushing upward before these events in Iraq. The yellow metal broke through the psychologically significant $1,500 mark last week, and it has continued to rally into the new year. Analysts pointed to a weakening dollar, inflation fears, along with general economic and geopolitical uncertainty as catalyst for this rally in gold. Now, looking back, 2019 wasn't too shabby for precious metals. Gold had its best year since 2010. On January 1st of last year, gold was at 1276.60, and it closed on December 31st, just above 1520 an ounce. This is based on the price charts that you can find over at shiftgold.com. This was a 19% increase on the year. A strong December helped seal the deal. After a sluggish fall, gold gained 3.4% in the final month of 2019. Now, silver also had a great year. The white metal ended 2019 at $17.89 an ounce. That represented a 15.6% gain on the year. Now, it's worth noting that gold and silver yielded these big returns last year, despite a relatively strong dollar and a record year for stocks. 2019 actually charted the strongest performance for gold since 2010 when it rose by 29.7%, and that was in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. Now, if you listened to the show last week, I covered what I think were the top five stories that drove gold in 2019. I'll link to that episode in the show notes page. Just to recap, they were Fed monetary policy, debt, the trade war, central bank gold buying, and the silver-gold ratio. Now, the Fed was far and away the biggest driver for gold. It's also the reason I think gold is going to have another big year in 2020. There is exactly zero indication that the central bank is going to tighten monetary policy in the upcoming year. Now, granted, Powell and company have said that they are not going to lower rates anymore, but I think rate cuts are far more likely than any kind of rate increase. I think at the first sign that the stock market is tanking, the Fed's going to rush in and save the day. That's what the Fed does, after all. And as I've talked about before, Powell has basically said he's not worried about inflation. It's going to take a significant and persistent uptick in consumer prices before the Fed will act. So the inflation genie is coming out of the bottle. That's good for gold. As you know, gold is an inflation hedge, right? Now, Peter Schiff has said he doesn't think the Fed will be finished cutting rates until we get to zero. If you recall, this time last year, he was saying the Fed was done with rate increases. This was when pretty much everybody was calling for two or three more hikes in 2019. Well, Peter was absolutely right. He said that that December 2018 rate increase would be the last one of the cycle. And sure enough, it was. We got the Powell pause, and then last July, the Fed started cutting rates. Three cuts. This is the big reason gold was up 19% last year. 
Now, it's interesting looking at the dollar. It ended up basically flat on the year. But, you know, given the loose monetary policy, you'd expect it to be a lot weaker. Well, over the last month or so, you're starting to see some of that weakness creep into the greenback. In a note to clients cited by MarketWatch, Axie Trade said, quote, gold is receiving an undercurrent of support into year end from lower U.S. bond yields, persistent geopolitical risks, and the ongoing U.S. economic uncertainty. The note went on to say, but with weaker U.S. dollar narrative gathering steam into the election year 2020, risk hedgers are starting to flock to the security of gold rather than the dollar. Peter was on RT on New Year's Eve, and he said that he thinks dollar weakness is going to be the theme of 2020. And we're not just talking about a little downtick in the greenback. As a result, he thinks the 20s will be an explosive decade for gold and silver. Peter said, quote, the dollar is going to fall through the floor. That means gold prices are going to go through the roof. Peter also thinks stagflation is in the cards in the upcoming decade. That means slow economic growth or a recession coupled with high inflation. Now, economists used to think stagflation couldn't be a thing. And then we had the 70s. Given the amount of money that the central bank has created out of thin air over the last decade, I don't think it would be wise to discount Peter's warning. And think about this. The Fed spent last year cutting rates, and it is expanding its balance sheet right now as if we were in the midst of a deep recession. This is supposedly the greatest economy in the history of the world, right? And yet we're seeing this extraordinary monetary policy. I mean, I can't emphasize this enough. The Fed is expanding its balance sheet faster right now with quantitative easing that the central bankers swear isn't quantitative easing than it was under actual QE in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. That's a lot of stimulus, a lot of bottled up inflation just waiting to get out. So how is all of this going to play out? Well, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think economic growth will likely continue to be slow. Keep in mind, GDP growth was only 2.1% in the fourth quarter. That's not exactly gangbusters. And over the last several years, under both Trump and Obama, we've had growth. Despite all of the fawning over the economy, it really hasn't been that great other than the stock market, which has been juiced by Fed monetary policy. So there's really no reason to think that the economy is going to start growing at a huge rate anytime soon. The data is actually pointing the other way. So slow growth and probably a recession in the next few years is what's in the cards. I mean, we're way overdue for a recession, right? And then the other part of the equation, inflation. Inflation is going to run a lot hotter than people actually believe. And as I've said, the Fed is not going to do anything about it, right? Powell has told us that. So we're going to have higher inflation. Peter said he thinks we could also see a push up in long-term interest rates as the dollar really starts to weaken, so you can add that to the equation. That will decrease the appetite for U.S. dollar-denominated debt. So if you have higher consumer prices and higher interest rates, that's a negative for the economy. So what's the Federal Reserve going to do? Well, there's every reason to think it will do what it always does. There is basically one play in the Fed playbook, right? It's going to rescue the economy by printing even more money. And all of that's going to do is to stoke the inflationary fires. Bottom line, things are set up for a big move up for gold and silver, not just in 2020, but probably for the remainder of this decade. 
I think there are some other reasons to be bullish on gold and silver in the upcoming year as well. First off, gold has broken through some pretty significant psychological barriers in the last few weeks. Like I said, we're back above 1500 and we're flirting with 1550 now. If the yellow metal consolidates above 1550, I think that's a springboard for a big run up in the price. 1500 to 1550 is an area of long-term resistance. Those kind of psychological breakthroughs can be pretty significant. Then we have the trade war. Supposedly, we're going to get a signed phase one deal soon, but it's amusing to me that we really still have no idea what this actual phase one deal is. And keep in mind, this isn't the end of the trade war. It's phase one, right? That means there has to be a phase two. So we've got more negotiating ahead. That means more volatility in the stock market as we ride the good news, bad news yo-yo up and down. When you boil it all down, it's still unclear if the U.S. and China will ever reach a comprehensive deal. And it's even more unclear if it would substantially, substantially change the economic relationship between the two countries. If nothing else, we can expect more wrangling and uncertainty on the trade front in the upcoming year. And with the 2020 uh, being an election year, it would probably behoove the Chinese to drag their feet on any phase two deal to see if Trump is even going to still be in the White House. And you have to consider the overall economy. I mentioned earlier, it's really not as great as the pundits keep telling us. I mean, objectively, it's not bad, but it's not great. I think it's really a mixed bag if you look objectively at the economic data. The weakening manufacturing sector is the biggest concern. We keep getting weak PMI numbers. Basically, consumers are driving the economy. But don't forget that they are basically propping up this whole house of cards with money they don't have. Credit card debt alone in this country is well over $1 trillion. I've said this in a number of episodes. Credit cards have this little problem called a limit. Reuters called 20, the 20-teens the decade of debt. I'm going to link to an article I wrote about uh, debt in the show notes page. The Reuters piece focused primarily on corporate debt, but consumer and government indebtedness has skyrocketed over the last 10 years as well. This massive debt bubble poses a significant systemic risk to the financial system and the economy. You know, you're starting to get some people in the mainstream hinting that this might be just a little bit of a problem, but they still don't seem to recognize the magnitude of the debt bubble. It's one of those things that's kind of mentioned in passing. Oh, by the way, everybody's drowning in debt, but hey, the stock market is at record levels. Woohoo! I mean, think about this. If inflation really does get hot, and there are already signs that it is, even if the Fed decides that it wants to deal with inflation, which it says it doesn't, it can't. The Fed can't raise interest rates with all of this debt. It would crush the economy. So, you know, the new year gives us a fresh start. It's about fresh starts and resolutions. It's a great time to get your financial house in order. Given the economic climate right now, I think being prepared for the worst would probably be a wise approach. A shift gold precious metal specialist can help. Give them a call today, 1-888-GOLD-160, no obligation. They can explain all of the intricacies of what's going on in the economy and how gold and silver can help your portfolio. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. You can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes. Doesn't cost you a dime. Or you can subscribe to the Shift Gold YouTube channel and, and watch there. You'll find links for all of this stuff on the show notes page. Again, thank you so much. Have a great 2020. And I'll talk to you again next week.